Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello and welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of the number one English podcast on Ukrainian football. Today's episode is the all-Ukrainian road trip special, looking back on the team's historic journey across the country over the past two and a bit weeks. Now, you may think, where's Adam gone? In, in fact, I've snuck in. I'm the guest host. Think of me like an emergency loan, which the lads are going to have to pay massively for. So I've swapped over and gone from guest to presenter. And like anyone who works in TV, given the opportunity, we all love the sound of our own voice. So now I'm in and I'll be hard to get rid of. But I'm joined, thankfully, for all of you by the regular lads, Andrew, Adam from Ukrafoot and Ray, the ones who do it properly. So right, lads, the thing is what we've got to talk about is to start with this ridiculous road trip, which I've got to say I'm proud of. There's no way I could have done it. I would have tapped out after day one. But the person I'm most worried about is Adam. Adam, have you survived all that drive? And you've been the team's mule for the past near three weeks. I have, mate. I'm bloody knackered still, to be perfectly honest. It was uh, relentless. I came home, the wife said, can you take me down the shops? I said, as long as we're walking, and that's it. I haven't dared set foot in that car for the last three days. I really haven't. Well, I'm proud of what you've done with the driving, but I'm also proud of Andrew because he's managed to survive living off petrol station food for nearly a month. Tell us, how have you survived it, mate? Struggling to come to terms with not having a hot dog for lunch or breakfast every day. I'm getting by. It's just uh, toast and a bit of... Ukrainian sausage and cheese which is the next best thing had a pizza yesterday at a restaurant which was very disappointing but overall I'm getting back to normal enjoyed Ukrainian Independence Day celebrations and rolling on thinking of the next adventure we could possibly do you've become bourgeois you see having pizza all of a sudden you're a changed man and don't think I'm going to forget Ray as well so Ray what are you going to miss most about life on the road other than those two it's hard to be original after Andrew's speech, but I would say uh, discovering uh, something new every day in my own country is definitely something I miss. And uh, the rhythm we kept every day, we first we arrived at the stadium, then we had breakfast at the petrol station. Yeah, that's something you would be looking forward to repeat. And uh, as Andrew mentioned before, there are a few places you want to come back to, certainly, which we discovered. And uh, yeah, that's certainly what I've been looking for in the future. Right. Now, the thing is, we've discussed it and I've said how incredible it was, but to people listening for the first time, they might not know what we're on about. So I'm going to let Andrew describe what you've actually done over the past two weeks. It sounds an absolute madcap idea. So I assume it must have been yours. If only it was actually Adams. Well, I don't know. Just after New Year's or something, we were having our usual chats about what to do and all this other stuff. We knew the Euros were coming up in the summer, but Adams famed for his road trips of the past as well he obviously 2019 went and saw all 24 oblasts well a a game from all of them so he's very much experienced in traveling around all of the country so adam 
posited to us. He was like, so guys, you fancy maybe doing a road trip around all of Ukraine and visiting all the clubs? And I had plans to come to Ukraine in the summer anyway, after the Euros. And I thought, why the hell not? And Ray was also on board. So hey-ho, about a month before we started the actual road trip, we all started thinking about the route. Adam sorted that all out, got all the mileage done. We were trying not to go over about 300 kilometers a day i think is that right adam or around that yeah and we failed failed miserably <laughs> <laughs> i think i think we maxed out at over 400 one day but that's another story yeah and with that we were wanting to see maybe however many, how, however as many much clubs that we could in a day as possible on the route so sometimes that would have been two sometimes that would have been up to six I think we might have seen in a day or something like that and yeah the the general goal was to visit all 63 clubs in around two to three weeks which we basically did and to coincide with 30 years of Ukrainian independence so our main goal was to visit all these clubs and see the legacy of the past 30 years of Ukrainian football what's come about from it what are sort of the main achievements and in general what do these clubs that maybe a lot of people don't even know anything about for some of us even we just knew the name of the club and that was it we wanted to know a bit more um what have they got coming up in the future what are the sort of the main goals what are they hoping to achieve and is there any sort of high prospects coming up and i think we found quite a lot of uncovered gems and looking forward to seeing where a lot of them go forward as well because it sounds like i have lots of great ideas after a few drinks and i'm saying this is what i'm going to do you know we're going to travel you know i'm going to travel all around the country and go to all these grounds but then i sober up and it doesn't sort of happen but ray how did this how did you take an idea which must have been alcohol inspired surely (laughs) and turn it into reality Yeah, I guess I'm the right person to ask you because I don't go out much, you know. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be traveling around if it wasn't for those two. But yeah, I, I jumped on in this opportunity eventually. And uh, yeah, it didn't seem crazy to me uh, and, like by any means because uh, we, although we didn't plan much, but it turned out great. Every day we found good ecoms and the food was the greatest all, always. And, um, you know... As I said previously, the discovery, it was worth it. And uh, we had it all covered in the end. Adam was a perfect driver. Uh, Andrew kept uh, in touch with the social media and I kept in touch with the clubs we were visiting. So it was, um, as I would call it, perfect robbery. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Dream the most pressure is on Adam, who's got to, got to work out a route. Because yeah. that's when, if it goes wrong, he's the one who's going to... Was there any yeah. moments when you got the route right or, or completely wrong, mate? I mean... I, not only do I love football, I, I love traveling and it's, it's, I've always loved traveling, but even before I moved to Ukraine, you know, so I'm a bit of a geek that way. I remember sitting down during the Euros and just Google mapping the whole of the bloody country. It took me hours, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how big Ukraine actually is, if I'm, if I'm honest with you. And uh, having driven a lot of the route before, it was, it wasn't overly complicated to put together it's just sometimes you were like how on earth do we not go back on back on ourselves that was i think that was the trickiest bit uh just to try and cut down on the mileage it sometimes it felt like we were zigzagging all over the country but 
uh, we got. I may say we got there in the end. It, when when you, you're planning it, we head. I mean, we headed off west first. I mean, that's the nice thing with Ukraine. You've got that, as you you guys know, you've got that great motorway going from Kiev to Odessa, and this it kind of splits the country in two. So we did we did the western half, came back to Uman, dropped down to Odessa, and then did the eastern half on the way back. So it was it was a lot more simple that way. I think if you try to do it in in England, you'd end up crossing the M6 and the M1 about 100 times because of the, the way England's all laid out. Ukraine, it's a lot more lot more simple to sort of navigate your way around the country. You make it sound so easy. I've got visions of you going to a hire car place and picking up a car and saying, two weeks, yeah, just doing some local driving, not far. Yeah, um, just, just... Mate, it was, it was my own car. <laughs> Let's be honest, I brought, I brought the car from England. Is there anything left of that car? Yeah. Hey, we took it in the garage. Uh, on Monday uh, to, to get it sort of it's I put it in the garage beforehand to sort of get it all you know checked over and that got there everything nice and new took it back in and I had 10 pounds worth of repairs just the tenner <laughs> just the tenner and that were it <laughs> you haggled him down to nine quid as well <laughs> uh, nine nine pound fifty it was a tough one <laughs> Cash. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything that surprised you on the trip then, lads? Because after spending, you know, so much time in the travel, were the things, what pops into the mind where you think, you know, I, I didn't expect that. I'll throw that question open to all of you. I mean, I suppose, first of all, it was, I don't know why it surprises me now after how long I've been involved with Ukrainian clubs, but the openness of the clubs, you know, you can, you can call somebody up. And they're like, yeah, sure, come in. No, not a problem. Uh, you know, with not Andrew mentioned earlier, you know, the lower league clubs that people don't know as much about, but also the UPL clubs. You know, we were we were given incredible access to those clubs. And as 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 you well know, I mean, compared to compared to the clubs in England, where you've got to go through endless sort of media requests and go through all these different sort of permissions before you're allowed in. You can call up some. I remember when we were in Lviv, uh, we were waiting after the the Rook game. We'd been we'd been there. It was one of our first sort of live matches we went to, and uh, we'd spoken to the press officer Maxim Mutin uh, beforehand, and he said, "Wait, guys, I'm coming, I'm coming." And we were waiting in the the press area after the game. He comes down, right? Let's go on the pitch. So, so we just go down the players' tunnel. The security guard was having a fit because he'd been trying to get rid of us for about 15 minutes. And Max just, he takes us through. We're on the pitch having our photos on the pitch with him and all sort of the rook merch in the background, you know, great advertising and everything. But uh, and the security guard's like, well, hey, God, what's going on here? Well, you know, this is Rook Lviv that have just partnered up with the City Group. And here we are, we're getting sort of access all areas. And yeah, we are we are still you know Ukraine plus football podcast. We're not Sky Sports or BBC coming along, and they they're just so welcoming. And it was from you know from that example throughout the Drupa League. We were when we were in Mikhailivka, we had the the mayor of the local village council come to greet us. You know, and all we done we give them a call said yeah we're coming along. Like all English people coming to visit our club. Or get the mayor down to come and see you. They brought players in early from training to come to talk to us and everything. So it's just, yeah, that incredible friendliness across the league. It has to be said across the league. It's from Dinamo Shakhtar right the way down to Lubomir at the bottom of the 
the pile, everybody was very open. You reassured me from the time I accidentally walked into the uh, the Olympus ski and had a kick around on there a few years ago and no one said a word. So, Andrew, was it, was it the same? Was it the openness? Did the openness surprise you how welcoming everyone was? Yeah, I mean, on the whole, there were. Everyone was relatively open and easy to communicate or chat to. I'll actually leave Ray to discuss a few difficult moments when he was trying to get in touch with clubs and it ended up being a bit of a palaver. But for me, in terms of surprisingness, I'll probably take it away from the football side of things and just bring it back to the roads. Everyone knows on the whole that Ukrainian roads are probably one of the worst in the world. Like for a European country, you wouldn't expect them to be so bad, but it's just the reputation that they've been for the whole 30 years of their independence so far. And they were surprisingly good. I mean, as we've already spoken about, Adam's car came back in one piece and had just 10 quids worth of repairs. And if you ask that to any other Ukrainian person who's frequented Ukrainian motorways or single lane roads or T roads, whatever you call them, they'd be like, what the hell? And that's like what um, Sadhisad Rochuk, the Dynamo Kiev captain, said to us after the game on a Sunday when uh, we ended the tour and we just had a bit of, we had some press passes and after the game, all the players were coming out. So we had a word with him and he was like, seriously, you drove the whole, you drove the whole country sick. Like, and then we said, yeah, over 6,200 kilometers. And he was like, he was like flabbergasted that we somehow, we somehow made it. And yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of them were like being redone and all that sort of thing. Although, um, Nikopol to Krivirich, one of the worst roads in the world. And we were told actually in our article that came out in the Ukrainian media about us that that road's actually works just been started on it this week. So maybe the next time we end up doing it, it might be um, a lot less like from the war zone, even though it's about a good 200 plus kilometers away from any active fire line. So, you know, positive changes to be seen and um, breaking down stereotypes, <laughs> which was a, which was a good thing. I would get I would get a bidding because they could rename that highway after you, lads. Ray, so you've been nominated as uh, discussing the more negative things and the more difficult things. So you sound like you were the fixer of the group. Did you did you encounter any difficulties on the trip? Yeah, well, the difficulty started with us come to the European Cup match in Kovalyuka, a small village outside Kiev, and uh, we can't park anywhere. And then until I, you know, drew my window down and shouted that, look, the, the license plate, the car is from Great Britain. <laughs> they immediately let us in on the parking and gave us the best spot. So that was quite surprising, you know, but uh, it's uh, from, t- from uh, that moment, it worked uh, the treat, all those license plates and the accent and the charm, you know, but some, somewhere it didn't. For example, in Jutomir, uh, when we went uh, to the stadium, uh, <laughs> Uh, why, uh, just a few, I would say, Soviet-era uh, directors, uh, a pair of them, uh, just brought us into the office like for interrogation, just said that as, as if we were about to get a mug shot off, you know. And uh, after only after a hard, hard conversation with them, they, were, uh, they allowed us on the pitch, but said, don't film there and don't film here. So kind of uh, brought us back into the old country sort of and so two other examples of it were Vinitsa when we didn't even get to the stadium at all and Chernivtsi where uh, I spoke to six different people including the club president and they all kept redirecting and facilitating 
the request to each and every one of them. So eventually we didn't contact anyone. We, just, we were lucky enough to get to the pitch, but we did not meet with anyone from the club as they just didn't bother to take responsibility for anything. I would like to end with a positive note. I was surprised to find out that Y Scout offices of Ukraine are in which city would you guess, Russ? I'm going to guess Vinitsa. Ah, <laughs> no, Ternopil. So that was amusing, definitely. Well, it's, it sounds like uh, in, in situations like that you just need so much diplomacy because no one will believe what you're actually doing. Was the times, Andrew, when you turned up and said, look, we're doing a tour of Ukraine with you know, a couple of English lads have come along and, and the locals just went, no, you're not, you're not coming in. Well, that was actually, I think, the second last day of the tour. Me and Adam turned up at Shaslive, which is just outside of Kiev, where um, FC Rubicon play. But yeah, so we turned up there, and that's actually like Arsenal Kiev Youth Academy play there, and Shakhtar Youth play there. And we turned up, and like the gate was locked to the pitch, and there's like a few other additional pitches that can be rented out. And this sort of <laughs> relatively short guy with a white moustache and white hair was came out running, not towards us, but there were some like kids playing on a pitch that they evidently hadn't paid for, rented out. And he was like, oi, oi. And he was like looking at us. He was like, what are you doing here? And we were like, so we've just come to, we've just come to film a few things about, um, we've just done a whole tour of Ukraine. He was like, who are you, who are you, representing are you with the pfl so the professional football league of ukraine or some someone sent it to us and then he ran off and chased those kids off the pitch and then he came back and i was like no no it's we're literally just doing it for ourselves and he was like oh okay then and he just opened up the gate for us and just let us in and take a few photos and film a few things so that i think was about as difficult as it got like ray said the issues that we actually had, the biggest issue that we had, like in Zhutomir, that, that was actually nothing to do with the club because the club was on an away day then. So we had to sort of deal with the stadium administrator. And what I think maybe a lot of people don't know about Ukrainian football is that the majority of these pro clubs don't actually own the stadium. They like rent it from either the, the city council or something like that, which made actually a lot of the negotiations to like come to the pitch and then speak to someone or something like that a lot more difficult because you have to speak to the club and then someone at the club or even us have to go and speak to someone at the stadium to either open the gate and all that other stuff. So there were stages like that where that had to be done. And unfortunately, for example, like in Jotomina, they were like, what the hell? Like what, what social media do you represent? What media? Please don't film this hole where someone's digging a hole. It's like just, you know, just silly stuff like that. Like, What's in the hole? <laughs> Exactly. We can. We don't care. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was the former manager. <laughs> but yeah. So that was on the whole. There was just a lot of um, passing on to different people. So I was doing some of the fixing at some points, and we just had to like talk to stadium managers. But a lot of them were just open, free to the public, because a lot of the city council ones is like running tracks and things like that where people are just having their evening jog after work or, you know, using it as a place to relax or meet up with friends. Like we saw in, uh, in Bukovina, which were in Chernivtsi. So I don't think, I think Vinita was like the only one where we didn't get to see the pitch. And that was a shame because 
we spoke to the club and they were like, yeah, we can come down, but we don't have the keys because we don't own the stadium. And then there was like no security around the stadium. All the doors were locked. That was like the only place where we came across that, where there was like no mustachioed sort of person <laughs> to sort us out. And then the other place that comes to mind was Herson. It's about 4 p.m. We called their press office up that Adam got the, got the number off their website. I spoke to them. It was a woman that picked up the phone and she was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, just call me back in about an hour and uh, I'll confirm whether you're allowed on the pitch or not or whatever. And I called her back in an hour, but no one was picking up. Evidently, end of the working day, nice little trick from them. And we didn't have time to spend any, like, to the next day in Hedersod or anything like that. So we turned up at the stadium and luckily, luckily, this is like one of the closed ones, but it was open because either the first team, I couldn't really recognise too many people, um, and or like maybe a youth team or something training on the actual pitch in Hedersod at the Crystal Stadium or Central Stadium. And... Then this like little short security guard came out. He was like, what are you doing here? He called someone up and that was like someone completely different. who I spoke to earlier, they were like, we've never heard of you. I explained to them the whole story and they were like, look, I fully understand that, but we need to like basically saying we need to vet you. And like, you should have called like early in the morning. And I was like, but I called the press team and they were talking about it. It was like, no one passed anything on to me. I don't even know who I was talking to, really. The, the security guard didn't actually mention. Maybe he was the administrator. Maybe it was something to do with the club. But in general, it was relatively difficult. And he was like, uh, and in the end, he didn't like allow us to do anything. But in the end, the actual security guard was like, just go and take your photos and footage. Like, who cares? But just make sure that it's sort of out of sight of me. Uh, so we did it like just up to the stands, took some photos, filmed a bit of things, but ultimately a slightly soured experience because we couldn't get to like meet anyone at the club or anything like that. And it was just a bit of like a asshole behavior from um, whoever that guy was, despite the fact that he said that he understands the whole purpose of the trip and all that lot. But it came off, we ticked it off and we had some watermelon. So it was all good. <laughs> Adam, was there any times when you just snuck in when you just thought, you know, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than uh, plead for permission? <laughs> uh, you don't name the ground or the stadium, but uh, was there any time you looked around and thought, this is going to be too much hard work? Let's get get through that open window. It wasn't an open window. It was an open door, but we did have to sneak in quite quite quietly. You know, it wasn't us that instigated it. In defence, in defence, there was a time on the on the tour. I'll say not in the, in any sort of time period. We won't give it away, but we were uh, told to hurry up, run down the run down the tunnel, and get on to get out onto the pitch. And there were some guys out there training and had a, a look at us from what the bloody hell are you doing here. And uh, we. Uh, quickly took our pictures and uh, ran back to the car park as quick as we could. It sounds a nightmare at the best of times, Adam, to do it, but just, just recap, just in case, how many times did you have to do this? How many grounds did you visit? It was oh, grounds, I, I lose count, 63 clubs were represented. We went to every single one. Now, some of the, some of the clubs are ground shared. Uh, you know, they, they shared the grounds like in Sumi, for example, Allianz and uh, FC play at the same place. But yeah, we we ticked off every single one. We went to, into every single 
Oblast of Ukraine by Lugansk. And yeah, there was there was not one club ignored on this tour. Well, I'll, I'll give you a bit of breathing space. I'll throw it straight to Ray. Ray always gets the hospital pass, but from all those grounds, from, you know, 60 or so, pick your worst beer, hot dog and toilets. Which ones stand out for you? of all Because when you go to a football match, they're the things you look forward to. Usually it's better than what happens on the pitch. But yeah, food, pretty much hot dogs, beers, toilets. Which ones were the good and which ones are the bad? I'm going to go to you first, Ray. Yeah, I've seen some toilets in my time, you know, as I grew up in Ukraine, but... Uh, I would pick the one uh, we saw in um, in Halic. I believe it's a small town uh, in Lviv, Oblast. Karpati, a club named Karpati plays there apparently, and um, there is just a hole in the floor and a perfect scent to it. So yeah, that was the toilet for me. Um, the hot dog, well, it's hard to pick the worst one. You know, I would like just to make, <laughs> probably name the top three as like we visited pretty much. Like the same petrol stations, I would say, like maximum number of five. So we just put it like from one to five, no worst and no best. And oh, the beer, right? Um, That's the important one. That's the important <laughs> one. This, exactly. This could sell the trip. Where you say, oh, yeah. all right, listeners are going to go straight to that place. So no pressure. The, the worst beer, right? The worst beer was at Himelnitsky. So the best. <laughs> what about the best? Um, the best one. Uh, um, it's, a, it's a local one. It's Obolon. It's always been so. <laughs> Sorry. It's just a little bit biased there. I thought I might catch you out, but no chance there. So, <laughs> Andrew, when it comes to the culinary delights and also the uh, the delights post culinary, what stands out in your mind? <laughs> uh, well, Sokar, uh, probably the like, if you call it the most bougiest of um, petrol stations around here proper high-end stuff you can like get kebabs and and things if you wanted to but when when we arrived there it was relatively early in the morning so i could only permit myself a hot dog it was a nice chicken hot dog relatively tasty i think it was rather expensive as well like around three quid which is quite a lot compared to the others so i'll give that a high-end one and then just in general this uh, there's this petrol station called amic which i know that adam is all right as a bit of a fan of I'm not a fan of it uh just in general quite poor selection of drinks and all that kind of stuff and the hot dog wasn't much better um yeah the beers bit of a tough one um there was this one there was quite a nice one that we had in Kramatorsk that Adam got his it's it's Adam's favorite as well it's probably the nicest tasting one he got out of a pump I'll let him explain that in a minute but for me, the toilets, I was pleasantly surprised when we actually got to Kramatorsk. So they've got quite a cool stadium. It's the uh, Avanhard Stadium. Well, Stadion Prapor. It's yeah. been renamed a million times. So like Flag Stadium or, or whatever over there. And that was occupied. That city was occupied in 2014 for about three, three or four months, months yeah. before it was um, liberated. But yeah, life's as normal there. It's a good 100 kilometers or so i think from the front line so it's doing okay and we met up with um, a local ultra and it was all pretty cool so this stadium the sort of clubhouse whatever you'd call it the central stand looks just like a cricket pavilion um from the uk and it was really quite surreal and then we popped into the toilets there and it's like one of these like long i don't even know how to describe it. it's like an l shape but it's like a long like urinal, but there's no like actual urinals. Everyone just like um, 
pisses in the same thing. And that was quite clean and fresh compared to Nicopol, which had basically the exact same layout, but that was like completely gutted and not been updated. And when we, then when we popped out of it, um, after I finished a bit of filming, the sort of stadium administrator came over and she was like, what are you doing here? And we explained the story. She was like, I hope you weren't filming in there. I was like, no, no definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And if anything, I'm doing you a favour. I'm showing you that you've got quite a high-end uh, high-end toilet facilities. I don't but know yeah. the legal ramifications, Andrew, but filming in toilets can get you in a lot of trouble around the world. <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't match day and no one was in there. <laughs> Adam, what about yourself? What jumps out? Food, drink and uh, and uh, places of interest? I mean, uh, the pet- petrol station food's great. It really is. And uh, you'd like, I mean, it's been a while since I've driven in the UK, but yeah, Ukrainian petrol station, it's a whole, a whole other world of, of culture. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's sort of dining delicacies on the go. Andrew, I can't remember the name, of that, but the, pe- the, the yellow petrol station, BR, BRMC or something like that. I can't, can't remember the name, of, but you've sold, yeah. you've sold me on it now. You've sold me yeah. on it. it, it they, really... they actually sponsor Shakhtar. They've, they're on their sleeve badge. Oh. <laughs> but I have heard a story that they mix their fuel with plain fuel. But that's... <laughs> Allegedly, is the allegedly, yes. You might want them to sponsor this podcast yeah. at some point, and if they do come along, well, we're the best petrol station in all of Ukraine. Let me tell you, Absolutely. certainly will. I'll, I'll tell you, petrol aside, their uh, services were 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 top notch and great food selection there as well. Uh, we stopped off a few times, and uh, yeah, it was had some great breakfasts yeah. with them. So it's it, it it really was. But yeah, Andrew mentioned. Uh, Kramatos. There was uh, so I going back sort of two years ago now when I went to Kramatos the first time and uh, the ultra guys took us in down there, sort of adopted me as part of the family. And they said, Well, if you're in Kramatos, you have to try Shelley. I was like, Okay, well, so they took us to one of the local beer pump places and filled up a bottle of it. And I was like, Oh, wow, this is great. It's like rocket fuel, it'll blow your head off. And uh, so we yeah we were walking walking around town sipping our bottles as you do in Ukraine, and uh, yeah I had a great time. Then not long before I moved out of Kiev, they started selling it in my local beer shop here. So I was like yeah oh great yeah there we go there we go. And I really wanted a night out in Kramatorsk on this trip, but just because of logistics, you know when you're planning the route and that. We couldn't afford a night in Kramatos because, like, with Dnipro and Kharkiv being either side of it, you've got great cities there where to, you know, enjoy good nights at. Uh, so I said to Andrew, right, I'm finding a beer shop. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bottle of Chalet uh, and I'm going to drink it tonight when we get to Kharkiv. So we pulled over the side of the road, filled it up. I said, you've got to try it. And he did, fair play. And <laughs> so I think I sold him on it. And then when we got to Kharkiv, got in the hotel, first thing I did was neck the rest of that bloody bottle. And it was bliss. It really was. It's, it's great. You know, There's your sponsor, mate. There's your next yeah. sponsor. Straight oh, away. yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's from Con- brewed in Konstantinivka from the finest wheat. You see, there's your advert straight away. If you put a musical sting into it, boom, that's it. (laughs) You've got the advert already. The most important thing, obviously, with the stadia. So, uh, you know, 
to ask all three of you, I'll start with Andrew, but were there any grounds that really surprised you, which sort of took you away, which you would recommend to those, obviously, who aren't probably going to do all the grounds, but you would say, look, this is worth a look. Yeah, for me, I definitely recommend people to go to Summer. Um, it's, uh, it's a strange one. It's not a very footballing city yet, but they've got a massive stadium there that certainly needs a lot of renovation, which there are plans in the works for them to start renovating it soon. And it was opened by Leonid Kuchma back in 2001 and it's like 20,000 capacity. And it's got like, it's one of the few two tier stadiums in Ukraine not stable to actually go on that second tier apparently at the moment, allegedly it's, it's quite a delight. It's like multicolored seats and all this sort of stuff. And when we went to Mikolaevka um, to see Victoria there, they actually have bought the stadium. So they are in a village about 30 minutes outside of town. They've bought the stadium for a massive cut price of what the stadium costs to build. So the stadium cost to build $20 million and they bought it for about $250,000 20 years later. There's apparently some legal proceedings and stuff about acquiring and all that thing carrying on still. But the general consensus is that they're planning on being the new footballing force in the area. They already got some billboards in the actual city centre, which is more than Allianz and FC Sumer, who currently rent out that stadium at the moment in and around the stadium is pretty cool too they've got like a thing called like the the tribune and there's like a load of deck chairs and stalls and food counters and all that kind of thing and that was going on even when it wasn't a match day so some promising things to to do there and in general Soma is definitely a place i want to go back to so i'd recommend anyone that if you want maybe something off the beaten track definitely go there for sure Ray, recommendations a real coliseum of a stadium in, in Ivano-Frankivsk called Ruch, which means movement in Ukrainian. Uh, a good old stadium of local Prikarpatia club. Uh, it seems like it hadn't been renovated for maybe 25 years, but its capacity is massive. Uh, yeah, I believe it's like 20-something thousand people, and it has the one of the highest uh, dance tribunes in Ukraine, I've, which I've seen. So there was also a very generous and honest um, and open uh, director of the stadium, which we talked to a former legend of uh, the club uh, who played for 15 professional teams in Ukraine, Volodymyr Kovaluk. So uh, we'd like to send gratitude to him. And um, yeah, that's uh, one of the grounds you would find real old school and against modern football and all that brutalism. So they have the old, uh, the old benches, and uh, I believe they have the um, terraces as well. I, barely, I didn't see them. Maybe they are too high, and also the old scoreboards with uh, without obviously without any replays and electricity at all. What about you, Adam? What about what uh, what grounds would you say? What stadiums would you say which were probably a little bit off the beaten track, which you'd recommend for people to to go and have a look at? For me, there's only one that really stands out, and uh, I mean if. As an away fan, if you want to be put in a prison cell, and as a home fan, if you want to sit in the beanbag end, where you literally just sit on beanbags, it's got to be Kruvi Rig. It really has. The get to Kruvi Bass before the Metalog Stadium is uh, 
is is finally refurbished. Get to Crivy Riggs uh, Crivy Buses Stadium now, where you can actually pay to sit on a beanbag behind the goal in a game <laughs> and just chill out with a beer and a hot dog and enjoy the match. So for me, that was pretty unique. I don't think I've I've ever heard of a ground where they have a beanbag end. That is amazing. I think I could sell that to, to the wife for date night, to be honest. It's a, it's a bit of a trek, but... Uh... Yeah, just go, come and chill out. Nice big tree behind the goal. You can sit there, relax, yeah. drink, well, sip, a bit of, sip a bit of Prosecco. There yeah. you go. I'm just going to add there. So the toilets were pretty nice, pretty modern and all that kind of stuff in, in a Krivirich-Hirnik stadium. But also, that just reminds me, for anyone who's going for maybe something a bit more local, so say if you're in Kiev and you don't have the time to travel cross-country or the big train journeys, go to Livy Better, so left bank in Ukrainian, and they've got a really nice sort of cute tiny stadium there, less, mm -hmm. than, less than a few thousand seats, but in general, great setup. Some legends of Ukrainian football playing there at the moment. Vitaly Reva, 42-year-old goalkeeper, still doing it. Had a nice chat with him post-match too. Very open. Drives a black Tesla. Even offered us to give us a lift back to wherever we wanted to. But we obviously had the old Honda Civic. So we were more than comfortable with our own with our own form of transport. But yeah, Livy Berek, if you're keeping it local, want to go to Slavotic station and then it'll be a marshal go down. So other than other than Krivbas, we keep hearing loads about, you know, sort of how progressive and, you know, what incredible things are happening there. Andrew, what, what clubs are more aligned with a European way of thinking? Well, aside from the Shakhtar of the world or even, you know, Dynamo's quite high end in that respect, probably Metalist, Harkiv, FC Metalist, who are on their way back so we, when we arrived, we had a few contacts there who arranged to meet for us to meet with a director of the club or the SEO, whatever that stands for. Still not found out what it means. But um, Valery Khrikha, who's well known in the footballing world of Ukrainian football. And he was telling us how the stadium's getting ready for a bid for the 2024-2025 uh, UEFA Super Cup. So everything's been redone since Yaroslavsky officially returned this year. They've put in new media tribune seats. They've put in new VIP seats, VIP seats that get covered after every game so that they don't get like weathered by the rain or the sun and etc. They've got a new state-of-the-art sound system, which apparently they're installing into the Bernabeu as well. So it's quite big things going on, big levels of grandioseness and the like. And yeah, they're definitely ready for the UPL once they get promoted, which is inevitable. They're, it's just inevitable, right, Ray, that they're yes. going to get promoted. As the, as the referees. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to be the new, the new force to challenge Shakhtar and Dynamo, or at least for third once they come up. And they've got a big, great stadium to fill it. And on top of that, they've got the crowds, probably the only place in Ukraine where they actually can fill out the stadium, despite COVID laws being waived for certain reasons. But yeah, they're getting full houses in there. The same, is there any teams that sort of, you know, were, were surprisingly aligned to sort of so-called Western ways and, and seem quite progressive as a club? I mean, for me, I'll go, I'll go the other, in the other direction almost and down in the, in the Druha. We, we spoke to a number of, of 
new clubs um, coming to Kiev, AFSK, who uh, talked to us about how they're trying to align to the IX Academy before they set sort of set set off on their own journey. They visited IAX, took a lot on board, took a lot of direction, and they're looking at building a philosophy within the club and developing their youngsters through the academy that buy into the philosophy, what they're trying to promote there, and they're trying to build a very, very clear identity within it, which, which I really was really excited about. And then to sort of bookend it at the back end of the tour when we're in FC Chenigan, and they were t- talking in a very similar manner where they their actual academy at the moment only goes up to 11 years old they didn't want to get anybody older than that in there because they want they wanted to make sure that the children that are coming in have got the sort of the years of experience playing through their club system so that when they're ready for the first team then they're good to go you know through the club the, the way they're trying to build it there which I thought was you know which was brilliant really you know it's then you come and sort of have a look uh, since I've come back I've gone okay I want to learn more about these clubs sort of done a bit more of a deep dive into them you you look across their sort of first teams and most of them were born in the 21st century you know and it's it's great Uh, I'm a huge fan of sort of youth football and trying to build you know players getting the opportunity to develop in environments where they feel secure not to make mistakes which I think you know as youngsters we have to try and allay so these clubs are they're not in this desperate pursuit of success, not desperately searching European football or anything like that. They're trying to build solid clubs that support their local communities and provide good opportunities for players in the local communities. And for me, when I, when I look back at, you know, we can talk about European football, talk about English and Scottish football in particular, you know, sort of one of the core principles that lower down the pyramid, which I know you're a fan of, is that, the clubs there support their local communities and they're there for the local communities. And it was great for me going through the Druher clubs in particular, seeing those clubs that they're like, yeah, we know we're never going to be champions of Ukraine, but we're here to support and provide opportunities for young players in our, in our regions. We had a few, you know, a few years back pre-Carpathia, the, you know, Ray was talking about earlier, used to say, we are the Ukrainian Athletic Bilbao. On this journey, we had about three or four other clubs saying, no, we're the Ukrainian Athletic Bilbao. We're the Ukrainian because they'd only take players from their local region. So it was, yeah, it was cool to, really cool to see. Ray, did it surprise you when you, you look at look at clubs? Because unfortunately to an outsider, the perception of Ukrainian football has often been an oligarch comes in, takes a club, doesn't have a great deal of connection with the local community and just disappears and does what he wants and you know often wipes out a club and they have to start again. Did you see enough on your travels to see that clubs were connected with the local community and representing the people as well? Yeah, I would say that... Um... Quite a few clubs actually. They were in the lower tiers, uh, but uh, it's good to see them uh, promoting from amateur football and starting their way in the pro football because uh, I know that much more amateur clubs are just being held in the um, in there and they're just comfortable there because they sign a few veterans and they support by local community and they keep on going where they are and they have decent salaries and they don't have to. You know, it's it's real. It's really local. And it's really true football, to be honest, in, as in as we talk about Ukraine. 
Um, I wouldn't mention Prikarpatia as a local club, but yeah, we've been we've been through a lot. Uh, we've discussed this club for like a lot today already. Minai um, from Ujhorod, which is in Zakarpatia. Uh, it definitely, when we arrived there, it's definitely worth it, uh, worth driving all the way down there, like like crossing the mountains took us like six hours. But uh, yeah, you should see it because um, Mina is a village outside Yushorot. It's very close to the city, but uh, the way they organize it, it's um, it's really brand new. And the approach uh, of the club, the message they they try to send is. It's great. They had they had a tough fate. This this one, but and their owner is apparently under investigation and sanctions. But somehow uh, this club um, has something to seduce you with. Because I always look at Minai and see it seems like such a you know an easily accessible place. So many people go to Hungary, don't they, and travel to Hungary for you know for long weekends. But you know there's because of its location being so close to a number of European countries, it doesn't seem the most difficult to get across. It sounds hard work getting across when you're going from central Ukraine, but is it one that you could say to people, look, you know, it's actually a little bit closer than you think. It's worth a visit. I agree. Yeah. The sort of the Ushkarod corner, there's three clubs down there with FC Ushkarod and uh, MFA Mukachevo, uh, or should we call them the Hungarian club, right? Uh <laughs> Yeah, we went we went there and the guys uh, didn't speak Ukrainian, didn't speak Russian, didn't speak English. They only spoke Hungarian, the security guards at the club. It was quite quite surreal being in Ukraine and people only talking to you in Hungarian. But yeah, there's those three clubs all down in that corner. Make a great weekend. There's definitely going to be two games you can catch if you if you time it right. Did you leave the tour having, I'll start back to you, Ray, but did you leave the tour having a far more positive reflection on Ukrainian football than when you started? Well, definitely. Uh, I, we, we all needed that, you know, as a, as a remedy to, uh, to my own doubts, as a cure to my own, uh, you know, uh, anticipations. Some of them were negative. Uh, you can think of the roads, the service, the, um, some of some clubs, the way some clubs are uh, ran, but um, overall, yeah, definitely, I'm. I loved it. I enjoyed it, and I discovered that it really is the biggest country in Europe, you know. And that's the our roads. They are just uh, not uh, as wide as they need to be. They're only two lanes, uh, and uh, they are good quality most of the way, but they're just too small, you know. And uh, you have to get that adrenaline by going uh, around the cars and opposite side all the time. So yeah, and um, of course, um, it was. I was happy to discover that the football is alive in Ukraine. It's uh, it has its own comfort in those you know uh, and soul, and you can still find it in uh, lots of places. And uh, as you mentioned, the oligarch clubs, yeah, they they all always be here, but. It's the diversity which uh, you have to explore. And uh, you coming to the Carpathians, then you come to the desert, then you come to the Pink Lake, then you come to the um, uh, Badlands, then you visit some agricultural clubs and people-driven uh, clubs, the community-driven clubs, and then you come back to Kiev. And, well, I mean, all I described right now, have you, do you have any other example of European country you could witness this in? I mean... <laughs> Really, it is pretty unique. It really is, mate. 
It's, I think that's what we love about it, though, as well, isn't it? And, and that's and that's something to a potential football fan going over. It's a country that offers so much, not just because of its, you know, sort of geographical vastness, but culturally, it's got so much. You you must you must have left there feeling you've had a real cultural imprint of the country as well, travelling around, Adam. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I think when when we got to Uman, and you know, as we know, where you had to go back to. Uh, Kiev then I kind of looked at Andrew and went well now we're off to a completely different Ukraine for the next for the next week and wherever we went it's you know Ukraine is so fast that you just get so many different experiences depending on what part of the country you're in when you're down in Odessa, Mykolaiv, Kherson, you could be anywhere in the Mediterranean down there. And then you head over to sort of the industrial east. And it's 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 a it's a very different experience over there. And when we got up into sort of Chikazi region over to Sumi, Chenigiv, and we're back into sort of it was a bit more foresty and the like. And wherever you went, it was it was just a new experience every single time. What I want to want to ask is, uh, you know, three lads being stuck together for a long period of time. How has it changed you? We can see Andrew's had enough already because he's disappeared. He needs a break from you. So, Ray, how was it? Did you did you did you just uh, sit in a dark corner for uh, for a couple of days to recover after spending time with uh, with a pair of them? Uh, no, no, I had uh, plenty of uh, plenty of to do, plenty of something to do, and um, uh, I'm well. Of course, I miss the guys, and I want to get together. Uh, more as uh, in future, um, as we as we are uh, in one country now, even in the, in the, in the same oblast, uh, we might get together more often. Uh, maybe you would hear as more of our uh, community of broadcast as we are all together in one room, and we will be having our banter again, and you know, keep opening our drinks and putting it on the table loud enough. Uh, so uh, yeah. Uh, that was um, that was something I wouldn't repeat this year again. <laughs> that's definitely that's something <laughs> you can do once in a year. Uh, yeah, but I would recommend it to everyone. I would recommend uh, anyone to find a crew like this. First of all, so Andrew, how, how was it then? How did you survive being holed up with Adam for uh, and Ray for <laughs> for for nearly a month? Uh, did you need a did you need that short break you've just taken from the podcast to recover? <laughs> yeah, I think. I'm doing all right now. It was it was it was good fun. You know, it certainly brought us together, that's for sure. Sleeping in the same room as one another and all that kind of jazz. But yeah, no, learned a lot about each other as well. Nice chats in the car. Well, I mean, we had about six, seven hours in the car every day. So we had to chat about some things. And I mean, even for a lot of it, it was we didn't even listen to music or anything that much. It was actually quite crazy. There was either potholes to avoid or who to how to overtake that was the general consensus i won't miss that for for nothing <laughs> uh so i'm looking forward to maybe a bit more oh, i'm going to be in ukraine for a bit more time now and i'm probably not going to be using a car other than an uber so i'm all good for now but yeah great great fun great fun that was and i wouldn't be against a road trip sometime in the future to do something similar. I was going to say the next question is you've done this, but you've got a taste for it now, haven't you, Andrew? What, what are you going to lead the lads into doing next? Where do you go after doing this tour? That's the good question, to be honest, Russ. I'm not 100% sure. We're still having thoughts about what to do. 
maybe some of those away days that we were discussing would be interesting. So, Adam, you're just a couple of beers away from making a decision. Have, have you got any idea Definitely. what you fancy doing? Definitely. I think, I, I mean, as, as we said, uh, while we were whizzing around the country, and it was, I think, whizzing is you know, a good word to you, because it was two, two, an hour here, an hour there, an hour everywhere, just to probably dive a bit deeper now into the clubs, actually make sure that we get to see some games and spend a bit longer with those clubs. Uh, that, that we've spoken so fondly about. It was, uh, I've got to mention about the overtaking because with a British car here, it's really, <laughs> you, you're there like half the time having to put my head over into the passenger seat as well to try and peer around. These truck trucks are everywhere. <laughs> you you like, oh God, you have to take your life in your hands a few times. But uh, I mean, yeah, you're, ne- you're never going to stop me traveling places. So it'd be great. It's a few, a few people said, once we've done professional football, there's a whole wonderful world of amateur football as well that we can uh, can 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 taste there, and there's yeah pl- plenty of options available. Ray, you're the sensible one of the three. Uh, you're going to try and rein them in and say, "Hold on a minute, calm down a little bit," or have you got plans yourself and say, "No, I'm a couple of drinks down the line. I've got an idea. Why don't we try this?" Yeah, I would say that uh, we're probably going to be doing some more interviews with uh, clubs representatives uh, in the following season, as well as we might uh, visit maybe an away game uh, of the European competition as the COVID restrictions drop. Uh, and of course, a national team game, which is going to be happening in Ukraine. I would love to bring guys to one of them. And of course, Oboland Games, which is out of question. But Andrew, I'll, get, I'll let you off the final word, Andrew, because you were the, the, the social media, well, you were relentless, weren't you? You seem to be, you know, constant, constant streams of things. And, you know, looking back, is there anything, you got any final thoughts on the trip now after you've, after you've taken deep breath? Do you look back at it and say, I can't believe we actually managed to do that? I don't think it's fully set in yet because it's what we've only been back a few days when we're recording this. I think it will probably more settle in as the season progresses, as we start seeing some of those clubs that we've met progress in their campaigns. Oh, they've lost. Oh, they're winning. They're on the promotion charge. And then maybe when they start popping up in headlines for either positive or negative reasons, we'll be like, oh, yeah, we've met that lot. That doesn't sound very characteristic. Albeit, we do have to take everything we've taken into account, especially from club perspective with pinches of salt, because we know that everyone is going to be relatively positive and all that kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to assessing who was right, who was wrong, who was positive and is going ahead with what their ambitions seem to be. And in general, for me, as a, well, British-Ukrainian diaspora person, it was great to see the country that my parents and grandparents have always spoken to me about. And in general, being from the diaspora, my vision of Ukraine was quite Western Ukraine orientated anyway. So it was, you know, either Kiev or like Halachina, Solovyev, Ivanofrankivs, Ternopil, where my family's from. And I'd never actually ventured out too far to other places, albeit I have been to games in Dnipro, Kharkiv, and all that kind of thing. But when you're just there for fleeting visits, even though this was quite fleeting as well, it was quite interesting to see sort of the nature of the people, how 
even though Ukraine is quite diverse, there is a, a general unity, despite, you know, all the propaganda that you see from other areas of the world. And yeah, I'm quite satisfied with the fact that I've visited all the oblasts that we possibly could have. Sadly, we didn't visit Luhansk, which was has no professional clubs. And hopefully one day I will be able to. And obviously Crimea, which is currently being occupied. But in general, it was a very uplifting and positive experience to show that Ukraine is nowhere near as bad as people say it is or, or, any, or along those lines. In general, there's a, a lot of upbeatness. People have difficult lives, etc., but they get on with them, carrying on. And I'm looking forward to the future. As we've already seen, 30 years has gone by. Ukraine still standing. Hopefully will be more things to come and maybe a 30th anniversary or 10-year anniversary of this road trip down the line. <laughs> we'll see. I think it's a great place to leave it. I saw Sheva got uh, a presidential order of merit. I'm sure you three guys should be in with a shout, at least for that. But also, and finally, I think the, the greatest praise you can get is the picture you got with uh, Mikola Shaparenko, who was delighted that you'd completed completed this incredible journey. If you get a chance to go on, uh, go on Andrew's Twitter page, there's a picture of it. And I've never seen a man more enthusiastic about the incredible achievements you guys have done. So, Andrew, I'll let you have the last word. Did, was, he, was he that happy in real life or did you just get him at a terrible time? It's a great picture. Yeah, I think he was just ready to go home after a comfortable win over Desna. He just didn't want to hear about it. And off he went. Luckily, Sidorchuk was a lot more receptive. So credit to him. Captain's performance. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, boys. Well, well done. An absolutely incredible achievement. And, uh, you know, you... The English guys also have done, done us proud as well with that. And obviously, if anyone gets the chance, try and do one more than you, I suppose. But it's going to be impossible. Lads, you've done absolutely incredible. It's been an absolute honour to uh, to be loaned in for one game and paid handsomely as well. In, uh, in I don't know, in Salo and Pivo or whatever you're going to give me when I get a chance. But now I can't thank you enough. Well done, lads. It's an incredible achievement. Simply, it's, it's bewildering. So you have my absolute utmost respect, honour, but I still think you're all absolutely crazy. Crazy. Well done. It's head, it's head, it's head, it's head.